Warning, the Federal Communications Commission requires that we inform you that this episode of the Derek Duvall Show may contain content inappropriate for children. Listener discretion is advised. The FCC also requires us to inform you that this episode may contain the words f***, s***, asshole, mother boy, dumpster, galloping quit, but in like a British way, and also, strangely, cul-de-sac. Once again, this show may contain content not suitable for anyone but the coolest children. Listener discretion is advised. Powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show! Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy, guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Well, 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 back again, huh? Well, welcome to episode six of the Derek Duvall Show. I am super thrilled you are joining me via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any number of different streaming services that this show is currently on. It's the middle of December and Christmas is approaching, so I'm sure most of you are in panic mode buying something off of Amazon due to the pandemic right now, being at a nightmarish level that it is. Guys, I've said it once before, and it bears repeating, wear a damn mask. Speaking of Christmas, did you know it's been 30 years since Home Alone? Where, I mean, where does the time go? I remember it was the first film I got to see in the theaters when we moved to the United States. I remarked to a friend of mine the other day as he posted watching the film on his Facebook page that Home Alone is basically the equivalent of Saw for Kids. Change my mind. I, I bet you won't. Also, for any arachnophobics who might be listening, that scream that Daniel Stern does with the spider is pretty much every single one of us in that situation. Not sure I would have tried to kill it with a crowbar, but that's an entirely different conversation. Just thinking about it, yeah, spiders, no. You can just rock me to sleep tonight now. Another legendary Catherine O'Hara who plays Kevin's mom in there has had a career rebirth of late with accolades, great reviews with that show on Netflix, Shit's Creek. Uh, my wife loves that show, uh, so much so that I bought her a candle from an Etsy store that makes reproductions of the candles from the show for her birthday. Uh, if you want to find them on Etsy, look for Betel Vi Candle. I got her the pumpkin chai scent because Mrs. Duvall is, has an unhealthy way of being obsessed with all things pumpkin. Love you, babe. But can we just for a second go back to Home Alone and take a moment to talk about that end scene where old man Marley embraces his son and granddaughter. Now, I'm a big softie for shit like that. I miss my dad a lot, and I think the world needs more more moments of like that, honestly, in the grand scheme of things. Anyways, I digress. On episode six, we have a really exciting late addition to the Derek Duvall Show lineup. We have an interview with the creators of the fantastic upcoming documentary, The Last Blockbuster, and you are not going to want to miss that. I'm just going to tell you right now, like I mentioned before, old Derek Duvall could be a bit of a softie. That film was a huge trip down a nostalgic lane that I had long forgotten. You know what? Only I do the, you know, 
thoughts of life or favorite things. I'm going to give that a miss this week. I All this talk about Home Alone just kind of touched a nerve. Let's summon the boots on the ground and let's talk Christmas movies. Derek Duvall's host of Friends. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, the voice of the Derek Duvall show, my better half, Mrs. Derek Duvall. How are you, my dear? I'm wonderful, thank you. So I asked you about 20 minutes ago if you'd like to come on the show, and (laughs) you were a little hesitant, and you said, hmm, what can we talk about? And I thought, you know, tis the season, you know, of giving and loving and receiving that maybe we could talk about Christmas movies. Well, that is a topic that I am always uh, up for talking about because I do love Christmas movies. So I did, I I told you I'm not good at on the fly. So like you said, 20 minutes ago, so I had to think about these, make sure I had some good answers. So now I'm ready to discuss with you. All right, well, go ahead. Let's, let's talk about, I mean, now we've been together for, you know, almost what over 10 years now, haven't we? Over 10 years. Over 10 years. And over the years, I mean, your Christmas films and my Christmas films have kind of become a, a synergy of happiness and laughter around the Christmas holidays. So I asked you to come up with your your top three, and I've got my top three. So we're going to go start with your first one first. So go ahead, go. Okay. First in my favorite Christmas movies is definitely the movie Elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Will Ferrell, we watch it every year without fail, and it's just so quotable. I love that movie. Will Ferrell is awesome in it, and I just there's some lines in there that I just say like all year round. Like my mom's name, uh, my mom's dog's name is Buddy, and so sometimes I'll say, "Bye, Buddy. Hope you find your dad." Mm-hmm. Just I, like the little narwhal did. <laughs> I, I I I hear you do that quite often. <laughs> Yeah. And I also have in my phone, December 18th is answer the phone like Buddy the Elf Days. So if this episode comes out before that, mark your calendars, people. Yeah, that's true. I believe it, I do believe it that comes out. Um, oh, I'll look up in a second. It doesn't matter. I'll edit this out. But yeah, um, that's that's a great one. I mean, we do watch together. I had never seen it um, before I met you. Do you remember you made me watch it for the first time? <laughs> I didn't make you watch it i suggested we watch it <laughs> uh, make suggest in this house it's the same thing Shame. but no um yeah uh elf is great james Conn's great in it um peter dinklage has a great cameo um, yes yeah. do you know how to answer the phone like buddy the elf no please regale us with this uh, knowledge <laughs> buddy the elf what's your favorite color yeah all right my favorite uh film obviously i've made you watch every Christmas, which you didn't even know existed until you knew me, was The Snowman, uh, the 1981 British animated film, uh, silent with only classical film, classical music done by the great Howard Blake. Um, I find it, I watched it when I was a young boy, and I've watched it every Christmas, even when I was in the military. I still had a VHS wow. copy of The Snowman that I would pop in at Christmas That's impressive. Time. Yeah, I've never, ever... In all my years on this earth, as long as the snowman's been around, I have watched it every Christmas. That's awesome. And I still cry. Now for those... And I still cry every time. You surely do. I can attest to this. And for those who don't know what the snowman is, would you like to give them just a little background? It's a. It's originally a, a book um, that was up, just a picture book that, you know, with no words, it told stories. And it's about a young boy who, um, uh, after a great snowfall, builds a 
six and a half foot snowman uh, with coal buttons, a um, orange nose and uh, coal eyes and a farmer's hat and a scarf. And on Christmas Eve, he magically comes alive. And the boy gives him basically human life 101. And then uh, the the snowman commits basically um, taking a miner out of, you know, state lines by taking him <laughs> to the uh, North Pole <laughs> without asking his parents' permission. And they get there and there's this giant snowman party, which sounds cool as hell. And then he gets to meet Father Christmas and he gives him his... Uh, Christmas present and then the snowman flies home and the next morning he goes out to see a snowman and he's melted and hearts break every year mine included indeed indeed but I thought one of the wait, wait, most can we talk about the David Bowie the David Bowie version oh well yeah definitely yeah. talk about that so th- there's three versions there's an introduction by a narrator there's a third second version which is an introduction with a cartoon Father Christmas and the third version is David Fusty Bowie himself and he comes up the stairways in a in an old English white sweater and being as Bowie as he is is like he just totally sinks into the character of the young boy James and he's like he got this scar for me you see he was a real snowman and I'm like dude David Bowie fucking rules I remember my dad my dad deliberately went out and bought the version of the VHS with the David Bowie version on it, just so he could watch it with me at Christmas and actually enjoy himself. Because he got tired of me singing the Walking in the Air song at the top of my lungs as a three-year-old. So Yeah, which is would be a lot harder to do now. Harder oh, to do now. God, no. Because hey, it is very high-pitched. Alan Jones, man. Pride of Wales. Okay, one other thing I wanted to say about the snowman that you didn't mention is that it is an animated film done entirely in colored pencil, which I thought was very impressive. Yeah, color pencil. Yeah. Won the 1982 Academy Award for um, Best Animated Short. There you go. Yeah. Absolute, Classic. Absolute masterpiece. I, would, I will fight anybody who says otherwise. Nice. So, so what's your next choice there, my dear? Next on my Christmas uh, favorite Christmas movie list is The Grinch. Mm. And I prefer the version with Jim Carrey because I love Jim Carrey. And uh, we also watch this every year. We have a lot of Christmas movies that we always watch every year. And this is definitely one of them. And uh, I just, I like the message of it, of inclusion, and that Christmas doesn't have to be about all the presents. It can be about the people that you're with. And I just think it's a really good message. Yeah, that's a good one. Did I ever tell you my Jim Carrey Grinch story where I actually got to be a part of it? Have I ever told you that story? I don't think so. So in 2004, three or two I went up to Los Angeles when I was in the Navy and I went to Universal Studios I'm doing the lot tour and we're getting past the Norman Bates psycho house all of a sudden this guy dressed as Norman Bates comes up and jumps onto the to the trolley and starts pretending to stab people (laughs) and we didn't know at the time but it was Jim Carrey because he was bored in between shoots of them shooting the Grinch on the lot. <laughs> so he just entertained himself by dressing up as Norman Bates and pretending to stab people on the tour. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, it was great. I, yeah, it's one of my cool moments I, I got to experience. But yeah, yeah, it was Jim Carrey himself stabbing people. That's um, And he was making the weird thing. He's like, ee, ee, ee. He's doing that too. I, I remember, <laughs> yeah. So... But yeah, that, that's yeah, the Grinch. It's a, it's a great movie. Anthony Hopkins, uh, the great Sir Anthony Hopkins, narrating it. 
uh, taking over for Boris Karloff, of course. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I love that movie, man. It's it's a classic. And I oh, remember that part where um, remember that that period of my time when I was a little bit like really grumpy and moody about stuff, and I would go through my just fo- there's like one period of yeah. time in and particular I w- last year. <laughs> And I went through my phone and I was like reading out people in my phone who was like, you know, they'll be like, hate, 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 loathe completely, you know, like that. So, yeah, I went through that phase really. Yep. So. <laughs> All well, right. What is your next Christmas Ooh, movie? it's got to be Scrooged with the great Bill Murray. Um, of course, the billionth incarnation of A Christmas Carol. Uh, absolutely staple in this house. Uh, the only time I get to see my wife actually guarantee cry every time is the part with the little boy at the end. Every time. Every time. Every without time. fail. You 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 sob like a little girl with a skin knee. No, I do not. <laughs> but I always get a little teary-eyed. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do love I, I, I do love uh, Scrooge. It's it's a great message. I know Bill Murray can be a bit of a bell end to work with, and I know the making of that movie was not exactly the most pleasant experience for all involved, but the final product was just phenomenal, and it is a Christmas staple um, in this house. In fact, actually, I'm looking forward to hopefully watching it this weekend with my family. So, um, indeed, indeed. So, yeah, we we it's uh, as of this recording, it is the sixth, and we have yet to watch a Christmas movie. And that's pretty late for us. Yeah. So we need to get on that. I agree, hundred percent. But anyway, yeah. So all right, what's your um, what's your third and final film? Well, I saved one of the best for last. I, I like be- all of these, yeah. but uh, I love many Christmas movies. But one that we always watch every year, and we always watch it on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. It is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yep. There are. This is like the most quoted Christmas movie I would say of all time. Everybody knows this movie, and it's a, it's hilarious. It's just like what it's like to be. My family is very large, so it's it's rowdy. It's loud. It's just like you think a big family Christmas would be. Um, and it's I just love it. And there's just so many like cute little tender moments, like when he gets stuck in the attic and he's watching old home movies. But then of course, you know, like when the cat gets electrocuted under the chair or wow. <laughs> if that cat had nine lives, he'd just spin all of them. <laughs> I I love I absolutely love every time we I grill or not grill, um uh, do a turkey for you guys, there's like thirty seconds of pure dread <laughs> that I'm like, this this could go so bad. But then, it, thankfully, it doesn't ever work that way. So yes, thankfully, we have never had a and turkey that we cut into and it <laughs> exploded into dust like theirs did. But so. yeah, like I, do you remember when you and I went? Um, oh, a couple of weeks ago, down to uh, see the fall trees. Do you remember that? And there was that guy who uh, cut me off, and I said, "Hey, look, kid's a deer," and I gave him the finger. And you, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I did that. Except for we don't have kids, we don't so have kids. I you know knew exactly what, I mean. what you were doing. Yeah. You're just trying to distract. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, I mean, shitter's full. I mean, everybody knows the lines. I mean, and of course, you know, a very young Julie Louise Dreyfus um, as. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you want to do it? Oh, of course. Do it then. And Go on. 
Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margot. <laughs> <laughs> One year get... for Christmas, I actually got us matching yep. shirts, and mine said, "Why is the carpet all wet, Todd?" And yours said, "I don't know, Margot." <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. that. Was good. That was a good time. I remember that. But no, yep. I remember. I remember that. It's. It's. I. I remember the first time I saw it. I, I was. I. We had just moved to America, and um, I remember it was on HBO. It was on HBO, and we watched it on, on Christmas Eve, and it was it became a staple in our house. Going forward, is you know Christmas Eve is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It was one of my dad's favorite movies. I mean, you remember the last time Dad saw the movie with us? Do you remember he was just sitting there the whole time, just quoting the damn thing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think we we could probably mute the movie and just do all the words. That might be fun. But <laughs> I do I do enjoy hearing the actors say the lines. Do you remember when you and I went to the theater to see it? I do, yeah. Yep. They were doing uh, like holiday favorites one year, and we went and saw it in the theater. And yeah, that was. Fun. I think it was like a talk along. It like, was. It was basically like big a rock- lines like it, shooters full, or you know, all the quotable things. All that was missing was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show presentation of the thing. Uh, I mean, like everybody in the theater was singing along. You know, uh, Christmas vacation. You know, they were you know uh, they were doing that, and there was like you know like. Um, Oh, Melly Kalikimaki, people were singing the Melly Kalikimaki and the thing. And I remember that. That was um, that was a fun time. Yeah, I, that I, was a great time. If, yeah, that was a good time. All right, so it's my turn. The granddaddy. I know the granddaddy, <laughs> The granddaddy, the greatest Christmas film of all time, bar none, undisputed nope. champion of it the world. It is disputed for sure. The greatest Christmas film of all time, Die Hard. No. It's definitely not a Christmas movie. We have the same conversation every year, and every year we agree to disagree. <laughs> Give me the reasons why Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie of all time and why you're wrong. Um, no, it's not the greatest <laughs> Christmas m- movie of all time because it is not a Christmas movie at all. Oh. Here's why. Oh, God. Here, here's my big, here's my, I think my best argument for I this. I feel a headache coming on. And to me, what qualifies as a Christmas movie is... A movie that takes place, let's say, how do I want to say this? You can cut some of this out, right? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> you dig your own hole on my show. <laughs> hey, that's not nice. Okay, I think the biggest criteria for me for it to be a Christmas movie is that it wouldn't be the same movie if it took place some other time. So, for instance, Christmas Vacation. You couldn't do that same movie in the summertime. You couldn't set that movie in the summertime and have the same film, right? So Die Hard, you could. There is a Christmas party there, but could it be any other kind of party? Is Christmas an overarching theme that is running through the movie that is crucial to the storyline? Yeah. At one point he no. actually at one point he kills a henchman and says, Ho, 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 now I have a machine gun. And the opening and closing music for the movie is Christmas music. Again. (laughs) (laughs) And there are Christmas trees aplenty. We are going to agree to disagree as usual. However, that's my main criteria. And I think you should post a vote somewhere on the interwebs, on Twitter or somewhere. No, no, no. Yes or no. no, is this a Christmas film? And I think... Depending on who votes. Oh, God. Maybe I need to call some people to get on Twitter. I don't know. Um, I'm just saying, if 
if you can do the movie at a different time of year and have the same film, it's not a Christmas movie. I'm telling you right now, man. I, I you're you're you are way in the minority here. <laughs> I, I, I'm yeah. I mean, we're talking millions of people. I mean, you know. I mean, what is the one thing we do every year at my house? Like the guys movie nights. Die Hard screening. Yes, Hot for wings. the last couple of years, yeah. Hot you wings, have had beer. Um, you know, you have had a Christmas showing, uh, or not Chris, not on Christmas, but you've had a showing of Die Hard as it being a Christmas movie. How which many it is days not. away from Christmas is it showing? I don't know exactly because it's in the twenty-five days of Christmas. It's a Christmas movie, so. <laughs> so, my, so you're my saying point any being, movie we watch in December is now a Christmas <laughs> movie? Is that what I'm hearing? The reason I, 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 I say it's a Christmas movie, number one, it encourages the spirit of giving. Like he wants to give freedom to the hostages. <laughs> it, it encourages the spirit of, of a festive time, hence an 80s holiday party with cocaine. There was cocaine there. Wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, and pregnant drinking. an 80s party. And pregnant drinking. So... <laughs> But None yeah, of no. these things are adding up to a Christmas no. movie. But you know, I always say it's not Christmas in my house until I see Hans Gruber fall from Nakatomi Tower. It's just that's a, just going to happen. That's I mean, your thing. That is not my thing. That it is a universal thing. It will still be Christmas thing. for me without seeing that. <laughs> and I don't even watch it usually with you. You don't watch the last no. couple of years. You've had the guys over. Well, to watch now COVID nineteen's happened. I still have to have my diehard screening. So it means that you just got conscripted. Oh, no. I think I'm going to try to figure out how to get some live streaming events set up for you guys <laughs> so I don't have to watch it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much there, Mrs. Duvall. You're welcome. Merry Christmas to you. And Merry Christmas to you and all of our listeners. All right. We'll be right back after these glorious messages. Hey, Joey, watch this. You'll only add more weight. Snow job. job! Find something that'll reach. This branch ought to work. Remember, frozen ponds and rivers may not be totally frozen. We could be skating on thin ice. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. This year, we are all looking for the perfect holiday gift. And today, I want to tell you about the gallery. The gallery shop is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, for the holiday season, the gallery is exclusively offering our listeners 25% off your next purchase using the code DUVALL. That's D-U-V-A-L-L. That's 25% off your next purchase at thegallery.com. That's the G-A-L-R-Y using the code DUVALL. The Gallery. Create your perfect space. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show. We are super excited to welcome to the show the creator 
of the upcoming documentary, The Last Blockbuster, Taylor Morton and Zeke Cam. Taylor and Zeke, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing as good as can be expected, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us on the show. Uh, no, my pleasure, yeah. my pleasure. All right, so we start off the interview with the same question I ask all my guests. How is the COVID-19 world treating you? Taylor? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that uh, good. <laughs> that good, yeah. No, it's, it's been rough. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's not my favorite time that we've ever had as a species, but I'm, I guess, faring better than most in that I'm healthy and I'm putting out a movie, so I, I kind of have a job. So there's that. I'm appreciating getting to spend extra time with my son. Oh, that's nice. I'm not sure he's appreciating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get right into the mix of things. The last blockbuster, the new documentary film opening in mid-December. My wife and I watched it the other night, and it was amazing. So I got to ask, where did the inspiration for this project start? Well, I had moved back to Bend, Oregon from Washington, D.C. And when you drive around a small town, you notice the, the weird things that pop up. And there's a, a big sign that says Blockbuster Video. And this was late 2016, early 2017. I was pretty sure they were all gone by then. But there was this sign. And you keep driving by it and you think, well, I, I guess it's just closed. And they couldn't afford to take the sign down. And I don't know what it was. But eventually, I stopped in and found out that it's a fully functional Blockbuster video, just like they were in the 90s, and it looks the same, and it feels the same, and it even smells the same, and that uh, that really took me back. That's awesome. What about you, Zeke? Yeah, when when Taylor Taylor hanging out, it's a small town, and film we were filmmaker buddies, two filmmakers, and uh, he came over to hang out, and he said, "Hey, what do you think about us doing a documentary about Blockbuster? About and there's only a couple left." And I said, "What?" There's blockbusters left. He goes, yeah, one of them's in our town. And I go, the abandoned one? He goes, it's not abandoned. That's crazy. The star of the movie is the actual store, but its co-star is the manager, Sandy Harding. Watching the film, you get the impression that she is not only one of the heroic last standing video store managers in the world, but also an incredible human being and a bit of a celebrity, I'm understanding, in Bend, Oregon. What was your first impressions of meeting her? Uh, exactly like you said, she's she's just this incredible human being. You know, everything you see in the movie, that's how she really is. She's warm, she's kind, and she just she loves more than movies. She loves this town and the people that she works with and the kids and all that. And so, it's really fun getting to see her kind of ride this this wave of fame. And you can tell she kind of gets a kick out of it. You know, <laughs> she she giggles here and there. It's been wonderful. Yeah. I feel like we could have left the lens cap on the entire time and the movie still would have captured how amazing she is. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because she's that amazing. <laughs> so the documentary has drawn a considerable amount of key figures who were instrumental to the rise and fall of Blockbuster Video. How did you approach these people into appearing in your documentary? It's a little different for each person. I'd say there's, there were ones, some that were friends like james arnold taylor the voiceover actor who's in the film is a long time very close friend so i just asked him and he loves movies and loves blockbusters so it was really easy and then other ones were friends of friends or taylor tracked a lot of people down uh on social media mm -hmm. and almost yeah. everybody we we approached as soon as we said blockbuster and we just want we said hey, we just want to film you telling us your favorite story about Blockbuster. 
uh, almost everybody was in. Oh, that's interesting because, like I said, you've got you know some key several Hollywood character actors, you know, and of course Uber nerd himself, Kevin Smith. So I figured, you know, if that may have been a, a challenging task or not. Well, Kevin was a little bit harder than some. That was a a friend of a friend of a friend, but you know he's a super busy guy, so getting getting to spend you know a few hours with him talking about movies is not the easiest thing to to get on the books, but yeah. it happened, and he was great. Obviously, you know, Blockbuster Video has been around longer than a lot of people nowadays on social media that's been alive. What was your impression <laughs> of how much Blockbuster Video has played in terms of a huge part of a certain generation's life? I mean, it's, cl it's clear when you start talking to people that if they're one of two generations or three generations, that it was a critical part of their memories. Yeah. So it was more than just a function. It wasn't just like everyone's favorite oil change station <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah people uh, all have memories attached to it yeah yeah I mean, it's more like than just visceral. movies what are your earliest memories of of going to blockbuster video i mean i i remember we didn't have one when when i was real young there was a hollywood video near me but um i do remember going to blockbuster later as a teenager and just the, the feeling of it, you know, it was different than the mom and pop video stores. It felt warm and, and safe and like, you know, maybe even overly sterile and, and just this, this place. But the, the overwhelming feeling of like, oh my God, look at all of these movies. I can't believe they have 400 copies of Titanic. That's ridiculous. That kind of thing definitely stuck with me like you don't you don't see that anymore we're talking today is you know with warner brothers today announcing you know that they're going to put their movies online as well as in the theaters and basically yeah. signifying the death of the theater chain in a few years if not sooner in terms of well if people are paying attention streaming has become a huge part of the world that we live in and physical media if you go to any store best buy target etc physical media is going the way of the dodo bird as well how do you know do you think that the, the upcoming death of theaters and so take there i think there will always be theaters some yeah. theaters it's it's going to be the kind of thing that people do because they love movies mm -hmm. not because they can make money doing it yeah um, much like the video stores that are still open you know or yeah. record stores that are still around it's never been about the money and theaters i don't know i mean the experience of seeing like a big movie in a theater like a star wars or a you know lord of the rings that kind of thing you, there's nothing you can do at home that's even close to that i don't care how big your tv is yeah yeah taylor and i went and saw saw the last marvel movie together on opening night and it was packed and even though the not a, sitting in a theater that's crowded for that kind of movie that's how i want to see it I remember growing up, I mean, there were tentpole movies, obviously, you know, you, your Star Wars, your, um, you know, your, your big budget Michael Bay's or your uh, Batman's, etc. You are right. That while there is a feeling of community when you're in the theater, you know, you're everybody oohs and ahs at the same point. People clap when the hero, you know, kills the villain, etc. Sometimes you can't replicate that in the home. So, yeah, maybe that in a sense, yes, there will always be a theater like you're saying. But um, like I said, I mean, as we go further and further with, you know, the economy and society the way it's gone where you have access to any film you want in the palm of your hand i definitely see that physical media will just slowly 
uh, subside probably the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm I'm more concerned about what it's going to mean for film mm-hmm. more than theaters yeah. because being able to watch anything without having to make any Taylor, we've had this conversation before yeah. where yeah. when when you don't have to work to see something, it has less yeah. value. It may yep. cost the same but it has less value emotionally and people watch, people are looking at their phone while they're watching movies at home. Yeah. Uh, that w- wouldn't have happened if you, if, if it was Friday and you went out to get a video and you had to drive all the way down there, you're going to sit and watch the movie. I don't know how many movies are on my top 50 movies list mm-hmm. that I would have turned off and watch something else if I had started streaming it, but yeah. I didn't have the option. And now they're one of my favorite movies, but like the beginning, I didn't, it took me a while to get into the movie. Mm-hmm. And that just, that's not gonna happen as a rule anymore. I think that ship has already sailed. One of the things I found interesting is like, when I bought my house, I, I searched and searched and searched for a room big enough to build a theater. Because growing up, Ooh. I mean, you know, my father, we, we came from very, you know, working class. I remember the first time he had surround sound in his house. And it was like, you know, we're talking <laughs> the infancy of the, you know, in the box, five speakers of a sub and a, and a little receiver. It was like, I, one day I was like, I'm going to do it even bigger. And I remember <laughs> I, I invested considerable money building a home theater in this home of mine. But again, I will always still go see a Star Wars in the theater, a Batman, a James Bond in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I was having a discussion with my former collaborator earlier a couple weeks ago. The last movie we saw in the theater was the Matthew McConaughey, Guy Ritchie film, The Gentleman. And, ah, then, oh, yes. wow. and then two weeks later, the whole world went to shit. So yeah. I, I was just sitting there like, is that going to be the last experience I ever have in the theater? Is going to see a Guy Ritchie movie? That's- <laughs> well, that's not the worst. I saw it three <laughs> times in the theater before before all the theaters shut down. It's I a great movie. It quite a bit. It's a great movie. And I wish, I kind of wish that it had gotten a lot more press and, you know, uh, a buzz around it because it's a damn good film. And I'm glad yeah, it's really outstanding. I, I, uh, I just wish Guy Ritchie would just stick to just doing damn gangster movies. He's just so, he's so talented <laughs> at it. It's like, you know, so good. What was it my friend said the other day? He's like, for every Aladdin we have to sit through, he makes two gangster films, you know? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I put a 12 foot theater screen i put a 12 foot screen and a projector in my mm. studio it's the second like i'd say within within a month of the theaters closing because i was like i i gotta keep it i gotta keep getting my theater buzz but it's not the same thing it's sure a lot better than watching it on a tv mm-hmm. but it's not the same thing a little too comfortable i think like i was i was talking to my wife about the other day is the last actual like you know community experience uh theater event was the very last Avengers film. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Endgame. And mm-hmm. spoiler alert for people who haven't listened, uh, the scene where um, Thanos got the, the stones and, was, and snapped his fingers and nothing happened. I remember the whole theater went batshit nuts when Tony Stark had the stones. <laughs> you can't replicate yeah. that in, a th- in, in your home. It's just not, it's just not possible. Nope. So. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, back to the documentary. I got to ask, who did the score? Because I thought the score was amazing. Oh, Taylor actually great. did a fair amount of it himself. Well, I, I recorded a little bit of it, and our editor, Tim, did a little, but most of it was a good friend of mine named Dave Trichter, who I used to play in a band with um, back in Washington, D.C. for several years, and he now does movie scores, apparently. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, I have to admit, like I said, um, one of the things I love paying attention to in films is the music, because it's part of the world building that you're, you know, you're committing to. Uh, I have to say that the score was absolutely top-notch. Well done, guys. 
Awesome. I'll tell him you said that. I have to ask, and this, I, there's a little, there's a little bit of a motive behind this question. So bear with me. Have you <laughs> spoken to any of former employees of Blockbuster Video? Oh yeah, lots and lots. They reach out to us all the time. Really? And yeah. I, I'm a member of a uh, a Facebook group that is all Blockbuster former employees. Really? And, uh, yeah, they like I to share stories. And, I'm going to search that and, out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called Remembering the Blue and Gold. <laughs> and it's all these people telling stories and you know every once in a while i'll post a clip from the movie or something to get them riled up but it's just it's fun i That's feel cool. like after spending the last almost four years in and out of blockbuster every day i feel like i've worked there even though i actually never did well you're talking to one i am a former employee my my, ah. my job, that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to um, to screen and do this uh, interview because when I was very, very young, I mean, we're talking over 20 years ago now, one of my first jobs was working at Blockbuster Video here in, in wow. my town. And I, I got to the point where I got to be a store manager. And I realized I, after I watched this movie, I, I, I took a little step back and I'm like, I loved it when I first started because, you know, you're an associate and you get to have fun and what have you. And as you climb the ranks, I feel like I remember like a lot of the love went away. Like, <laughs> like this really sucks, you know, but it was, it was the last job I had before I joined the military. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I have very, and I actually have some friends I still keep in contact with who are former blockbuster employees, but uh, that I, is I, not I, uncommon. A lot of people, that we've talked to are still friends with people that they worked with, <laughs> even if they don't live in the mm -hmm. same state as them anymore. That's crazy. So I, I tell this story at parties and just some friends and what have you. My favorite memory of working at Blockbuster Video, uh, I had been there about a year and it was, I was right there between the transition from, from VHS to DVD. Like I remember the very mm. first DVDs that Blockbuster did was The Patriot by, with Mel Gibson. But before mm -hmm. that, there was all VHS. I remember the Titanic launch and all that. And it was a nightmare. But my favorite memory ever was when the movie Boogie Nights came out. And living in a very conservative area where I live now, unfortunately, um, there, was, there was this lady who came in. And I'll never forget this the day I die. She was in her mid-50s, early 60s. And she comes in. She goes, I'm looking for a film for my grandchildren to watch. I'm like, okay. So I take her over to the family section. And I say, um, well, we got, you know, our Disney cartoons here. We've got our Nickelodeon stuff here. She goes, well, I don't want my children using their imagination. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we start going through some, you know, push and tug. I like Fraggle Rock or something like that. Nope, nope, nope. Finally settle on a movie called Herbie Goes Bananas. But, you Great know, the movie. movies with the cars. So <laughs> this lady had just pretty much talked down to me for about 15 minutes. And being a big Clerks fan that I am. Uh, I pulled a Randall Graves and I went behind the counter and I slipped in Boogie Nights instead of Herbie Goes Bananas and I sent her home with it. So about two, three hours go by and I finally get a call and there's this hysterically ranting and raving woman. You gave my children Boogie Nights, all this. <laughs> I, I put the phone on speaker and we were just dying laughing. <laughs> And, and we're like, we're like, man, if you come back to the store, we'll give you some free popcorn as a way of saying thank you. I'll never shop there again and blah, blah, blah. Nothing ever happened about it. We just thought it was hilarious. But that's my well, favorite. Well, at least those kids didn't have to use their imagination. <laughs> exactly. Everything's right there. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my favorite memory working at Blockbuster Video. So that's so again, great. That's a great story. <laughs> thank you. 
But I have to tell you, uh, like I said, after I watched it, I went on eBay to see if I can find a Blockbuster Video shirt, you know, like the old uniform ones. You can't mm-hmm. find them. They are hard to find. Yeah, oh, I've the looked polo, too. The polos? The polo yeah. with the gold. Yeah, there's yeah. there's one on Etsy right now. I think it's $185. Ooh, Ooh. wow. So, yeah. So yeah. I got to ask, um, have you, what are you guys doing for like a premiere? I know your movie comes out December 15th. So We had a really we, fun premiere, actually. No, it's just um, because of the pandemic and because of the circumstances, we had scheduled our premiere back in January. We had set it up because we were wrapping up the movie. And it was supposed to be, I think, in May. And it was at this beautiful yeah. historic theater here. Uh, it was going to be perfect. The whole town coming out. You know, we're going to have an after party at Blockbuster Video. It was All the stars in the, the film thing. were coming. Uh, and then COVID happened. Yes. First we postponed. And then we ended up canceling altogether. But our local film office that does the film festival here, they decided to put together a drive-in movie theater. And they mm. built it here in town because... You know, this was in the summer and there was nothing for anyone to do. So what we ended up getting to do was a drive-in movie world premiere of our movie about renting movies, movie, movie, movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, it was surreal because I, I grew up going to drive-in movies and also renting movies. And if I had, I mean, I never would have believed you if you had said I would make a movie in 2020, that not only would it come out on DVD at Blockbuster Video, but it would have its world premiere at a drive-in movie theater. That's, I mean, what a movie nerd thing to say. That sentence doesn't even make sense to me now. Wow. And it's coming out on VHS. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> How'd you guys pull that one off? Oh, uh, there's a, a company cool company that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, called Lunch Meet VHS. That, that's what they do is they do VHS releases of current movies and indie films and stuff. And they reached out to us wanting to do a custom run. So that'll be out very soon hopefully what kind of response um have you had you know leading up to the film and now obviously some you know we've had some trailers have been released you know what kind of response have you guys had for that great (laughs) it's really overwhelming people like it you know when we when we started the film and we did a kickstarter to help cover some of the the, we knew we were going to have quite a bit of travel costs there was a lot of people who didn't look at what we were trying to do and instead were just like blockbuster sucks and if you drilled down not even that much under the surface, it was very clear they would say something like, I owed Blockbuster $400 in late fees, and they kept asking me for it. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you're mad at them for that? <laughs> you owe yeah. them money and you're mad at them? So I, I was a little worried that when the movie was starting to come out, we'd get a lot of that again. And we haven't, thank goodness. It's just people being really loving and warm and caring. And several reviewers were like really emotionally affected. It really meant a lot to them. And that's, that's really rewarding. I was talking to my, my friend I mentioned earlier in the show today about we were, we were watching and the, the, the scene you showed of them actually holding it and a tangible object in their hands, you know, a mock of the blockbuster video cassettes carrier. And we were thinking to each other, like I got kind of chills, the whole opening it up, that sound. It makes, you know, <laughs> I was sitting there like, I can't remember the last time I heard that. Song. That, that was an ingenious stroke of magic that you guys came up with right then. It's one of my favorite parts of the film. Yeah. And it's like, it was kind of an afterthought at the beginning of we had it, you know, we shot promo shots of just the tape by itself. And so we thought, well, maybe if we just bring it and show it to people, it'll spark some kind of memory, you know, because talking about a movie is one thing, but actually holding it in your hand. And like you said, that click sound and the weight of it. And for, some people got pretty emotional about it because 
like you said, they haven't held one of those in 25 years, maybe 30 years. It's a relic of a bygone era. I mean, yeah. it's as simple as that, really. I mean, I think there was a, what was it, a Star Trek episode, Captain Picard talked about touching a, a, a piece of the past. And he's like, touch can make things very real for you. And yeah. I definitely to see the reactions that the people who are holding it had, it was very genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody expects that. When you do an interview, nobody expects to be handed a thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, we, we <laughs> always surprised. made sure the camera was rolling when we handed it to them. All right. So tell our listeners how they can watch the film on the premiere date. Yeah, December 15th. It'll be anywhere you can rent movies on your cable provider, satellite, Amazon, iTunes, Fandango, Xbox, Google Play. And I definitely forgot a couple. Awesome. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> if yeah. you've and ever if rented on, if you've ever rented a digital movie that place has it on the 15th yeah, that place your favorite movie rental place and if you like us love physical media and you want the dvd blu-ray combo pack that is the first blockbuster exclusive dvd since 2011 wow. you can get those from blockbuster video they mail them themselves the kids in the little uniforms will put it in a box and mail it to your house from blockbuster and you can get those at bendblockbuster.com that is amazing. I, I that, that makes my heart swell really, really big. That's that's awesome, guys. All right. Tell us how they can find you online if they want to uh, tweet you. We are at Last Block Doc on Twitter and then Instagram and Facebook. It's Last Blockbuster Movie. All right. So I get the last question. And this is the this is the question that I hold very dear to my heart. And I ask both of you guys. Let's say right now the entire planet is listening to this broadcast. What message would you give? to the entire world. I think I'd just say, be nice. Yeah. I was going to get cute with it and say, be kind, rewind. <laughs> That's better. But That's it's, better it's than the same sentiment. I, <laughs> I actually don't give a shit if you're, if you're rewinding or not, just be kind. That's awesome. Yeah, just be nice to people. Taylor Zeke, I want to thank you for coming on the Derek Duvall Show. This has been, trust me, a, a great moment for me and my career. I really appreciate it. Thank awesome. you for thank having Thank you us. so much. Well, that brings us to the end of episode six. Just think, I've made as many episodes as there are good Star Wars films. Hashtag hot take. I want to thank everyone who had a part in today's episode. It's been a great episode of love, laughter, and Boogie Nights anecdotes. I want to thank the lovely Mrs. Duvall for her last-minute cameo, and be sure to be on the lookout, as millions of movie fans prove her wrong that Die Hard is indeed the greatest Christmas film of all time. Coming up in two weeks is our Jeopardy episode where two former contestants talk about how they applied and taped their appearances on the game show and what it was like to meet Alex Trebek. You will not want to miss that episode. The holiday season is approaching and people love giving the gift of animals, cats, puppies, etc. as Christmas gifts. Now, we want nothing more than to see a shelter animal go to a loving family, but we strongly urge the family to sit down and discuss such a large commitment. Remember... Adopt. Do not shop. The Derek Duvall Show stands with animal rescue groups and supports closing and outlawing puppy mills. Only 10 more days of shopping remain, and I hope my show has brought you some holiday joy. Remember, love your neighbor and be kind. Rewind. See you in two weeks, and Merry Christmas, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise.
Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.